My name's Dolta Doherty, and this is the Recruiter Startup School. In this podcast series, I will be interviewing industry experts, founders, and investors from the agency recruitment world. We will be bringing you the inside track into how to set up, operate, and sell your recruitment business. Today's guest is David Hume. He's the founder and CEO of Seriously Connected. They're a platform for solo recruiters. I first came across David a few years ago while I myself was a digital nomad and I had gone through the arduous process of setting up my recruitment business from Guatemala. We had spent a lot of time doing our website and our branding and getting an ATS and doing all the, all, all the stuff that you normally do when you set up a recruitment business. And I remember speaking to him about a year later and I remember thinking, I wish I had a find your platform when I was launching because it would have saved me a lot of time and money and I would have been able to really just focus on making money. Uh, great chat with David. Uh, he's a really interesting guy and he's been in the industry for close to 20 years. Uh, he, he spoke eloquently about the future of recruitment, the location independent movement, why you don't need to be part of a big business and you can just set up your own recruitment business quite easily today. What, what, is, what his own platform offers in terms of community and support um, we, we went through marketing, inbound solutions, uh, GDPR and, and how that's going to affect things. And, uh, and yeah, we just covered quite a lot in this short interview. He's an interesting, uh, interesting guest and he's moved himself uh, to Lisbon and operates the business between Lisbon and Manchester to prove that, that you can set up and operate a recruitment business from anywhere. I hope you enjoy. Let me know what you think. And... If you haven't already, jump back in and listen to the first episode with Reese Jones on, uh, on what you need to do to get some funding and uh, to scale and operate a recruitment business and everything legally uh, speaking with Barry Cullen. And yeah, if you're enjoying the podcast, give us a like and share on LinkedIn. And if you know anybody who you think should come on, let me know if you want to come on yourself and, uh, and have a chat. I'm always open to speaking to inter- interesting people in our industry. Take care and s- hope you enjoy. David Hume, how are you? I'm very well, Mr. Dwalter. How the devil are you? I am wonderful. Where where are you in the world right now? I am sat in my office in Estoril, which is just outside of Lisbon in Portugal today. Oh, I hate you. I hate you a lot. <laughs> I have the doors open because it's very nice and warm outside. So if the birds are singing and so on in the background, I'm not going to apologize. Okay. Well, we'll jump into that later on. Uh, yeah. I've given everybody a brief intro into your background. Uh, can, you, right. can you elaborate and just kind of give us uh, the rundown on how you ended up in recruitment, what, what you kind of did before that, and uh, we'll go from there. Well, I kind of think like everybody, though. I don't know what you did before you got into recruitment, but I fell into it like, oh, like everybody seems to. 
I uh, yeah, I spent nearly ten years in the finance world as a as an accountant for couple of big companies, uh, Cousins International and who make Imperial Leather Soap and BSF, a big chemical company. And I got into recruitment because I was just working ridiculous hours traveling around Europe and was on a salary and I wanted to make more money for the hours I put in. So I went to see my mate Rob, who was a recruiter, and I asked him whether he could help me with some tips about sales positions or, you know, the kind of things I could do moving away from finance. And he said, Dave, I think you'll make a great recruiter. Uh, three months later, um, I was working pretty much sat on the desk next to him. <laughs> and, wow. and is that in, I, is that in Manchester? Yeah, yeah, in Stockport. Yeah, I was oh. there and stayed there nine years. Wow. Was that in the height of the Manchester music scene? Um, a little bit older than that, I'll have you know, to be honest with you, uh, Dwelter. But yeah, I mean, Manchester's always had the, uh, the the height of the music scene, I suppose. But yeah. are, are you more Smiths than Oasis? No, no, no. I'm definitely more Oasis than the Smiths. <laughs> I don't, I, do you know what? I'm, I kind of never really got the Smiths. I don't know. I just never got it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm an Oasis head, so. But, uh, you, you've got to be. You've got to be. We're on the same page. I so think the, we are. The first time I spoke to you, I, I had my backpack on. I was traveling around the world uh, doing, doing a bit of recruitment, rec to rec. We were working remotely. Mm. And, and I, remember, I remember speaking to you and hearing about your platform. And thinking, oh, I could have saved myself a lot of time and effort there. <laughs> yeah. how, how, and money. Yeah, and, and especially money. And, yeah. yeah. So how, how did the idea come about? What is it? And yeah, walk us through that a little bit. Do you know what? It's uh, like with everything. You kind of find a, you come up with an idea when you find you've got a problem uh, or you find issues, you know. So like, oh, I think, you know, I've been in recruitment at the time, nine or ten years. And I took a year out. I was kind of lucky. I took a year out and kind of missed recruitment. I didn't really know what to do. And World Cup was on. My, my, my handicap was rubbish. So I thought I'd sort myself out. And then I started my own recruitment business like we all do. Um, you know, I'm going to recruit for myself. My Doing clients, what? My, that's, oh, well, I've always dealt in packaging machinery and robotics, food automation. You know, I wander around Tesco's at the best, you know, with the best of us looking at the boxes and looking at the shape and how it's formed and, you know, the seals on a pack of crisps and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of ridiculous, really. But it's, I, and I just, I'd done that for 10 years or so. So I thought, you know what, let's start my own company. So I did. Uh, and I did what everybody does. You know, I thought it was terms and conditions and a website, but I didn't know anything about a website. I didn't know anything about terms and conditions. I didn't know anything about starting a company at the time. It was all like HTML and code and websites have come on so far since. But I built, I built my business and then it took me a lot longer than I thought. And I didn't really, I had to learn copyright and get everything sorted out. Spent loads of money. Before I'd even made a penny, I'd spent a load of money. And then when I started recruiting from a home office, sitting there, you know, quite isolated on my own. I had nobody to talk to and I had nobody to, uh, to bounce ideas off. And I'd rang everybody, you know, for that day, as it were. And kind of then hit a client who gave me some work, made a couple of placements almost within the first few months, which was, you know, great result for them to tell me that suddenly they weren't going to pay my fees and they were going to have to wait, you know, six months when they got some money in the bank. So it's kind of, wow. so yeah, you know, so your things that you think it's going to go nice and rosy and, and swimmingly. But then I kind of realized that actually all the problems I had started getting built, the websites, the legals, the contracts, terms and conditions, the, the isolation, people to talk to, 
was probably why most people weren't doing it. You know, a lot of people have done it since, but most people weren't. Mm. And then, and then I had um, there's a company in Manchester called Travel Counselors. Now I don't know if you know Travel Counselors. I know you've done a bit of travelling, but what they are is they're home-based, self-employed travel agents. And mm. I used to have, I used to have one. And I thought, you know what? They're just like the travel agents you get in normal agencies. And they get paid the commission, pretty much all the commission for using the services and the platform that travel counselors create so that they can run their business from home. Mm. And I kind of thought, they do everything. All the training, the systems, the invoicing, the payments, the, tra- the, you know, the motivation, the inspiration, all of that. And I kind of thought... How bloody amazing would it be if we could build in a brilliant platform where the recruiters can do exactly the same? A recruiter, not a travel agent. And, and I think I think there's there, there's an interesting point here that when you're in a big recruitment firm and you've you've learned how to do it and you're disciplined and you're part of that machine, you you think that you need a big office and no. you you need all those things and you're afraid that maybe clients won't deal with you because you're not you can't show them this big shiny object yeah it's a fallacy it's 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 a, it's, a, it's 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 nonsense and the one thing that we all know as well you know as well as the best of us recruitment's all about relationships and people and i'm going to be honest with you now i don't even know the name of your company i'm going to be honest with you but i know you and i know your personal brand and i know the way you operate because i'm you're visible and you're active and you're proactive in putting your name out there clients don't see your brand, your company, your website, they see you and the service that you provide. You know, clients don't care. I think recruitment is what I call a distressed purchase, whereby they only want the <laughs> recruiter, you know, a bit like car insurance. They only, you only need it when you need it and like getting your car MOT. Nobody wants to do it, but when there's a need there, you need to provide it. You want the best service as quickly and as efficiently as possible. That's what clients want and that's what candidates want. So the big, big shiny office doesn't count, carry any weight, or and even the great big brands, I don't really think carry any weight for the recruiter personally. I remember, I remember sitting in in Robert Walters and thinking, I'd like to set up my own recruitment business. And then I was yeah. going through all those things that I'd need, and yeah. I was like, well, where would I meet my candidates? Where would I meet my clients? And then yeah. I kind of thought to myself, I might not actually need to meet them. <laughs> you don't. You, well, there's a lot, of, you know, as well as I do, relationships definitely count face to face don't they sure they do absolutely but But, how many people really you recruit globally so how how would you do you spend more time on the plane going to see clients than you would do actually servicing them yeah it 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 wouldn't be an option and so and and it's interesting you know i i I get a good view on on what the scale the really great scalable companies out there are up to and most of them who are launching in america are setting up satellite offices in London to, yeah. to work the US market. They're not meeting their clients. They're not meeting their candidates. They may yeah. fly over and do a bunch of meetings at the same time. But in America especially, it's so product-driven that yeah. it's, it's not that important. Um, but then again, I suppose somewhere like Australia, it's death by a thousand copies. You have to do it. Oh, um, really? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, no. See, see, I, see I, I, I get that. But I think with video now, you know, honestly... The video has become a real major play in just every every industry. But recruitment is massively eliminating the need for that office and the face-to-face because mm. with candidates and the recruiters and clients, and it's actually much more effective and efficient not having a and I think the future, you know, the future of offices, office spaces, everyone's gonna work from home. That's what I think, within reason. Do you think that 
our kids will uh, will come to us and say, well, "What's a commute?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I the neck. The commute is that horrible thing that people who go to work have to do. I think I think the world will is going to change massively. Yeah, I really do, and I think that the way that people that their, their, their careers, and I think they're going to want different way of operating flexibility do you know what what they want is choice they want to know when to go into an office the time that suits them around the family around their personal ambitions around the, their exercise and whatever it is that they 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 live their life for it's to work around that and and office hours are gonna offices is just gonna change it's mm. just it's just you know I, I saw an interesting youtube video the other day and it was about it was a ted talk saying how most people leave the office when they actually want to make an important phone call or they don't find, <laughs> honestly. So the office, is that thing, the office is that thing where you go to work, but nobody does any work in there. They always leave and go and sit in the car or, you know, they walk up and down the street like I do. You know, yeah. the office is, is changing. Yeah. My, my working hours, I, I get up really, I get up early with, yeah, uh, with, my, with my son. Yeah. I, I go through my emails. I then, I, I then do, do some family stuff and then I'm in, I'm in work. I have a coffee with some other freelancers at mm. around ten, yeah. And then I have some core hours between ten and one. Then yeah. I do something physical, a walk, a jog, something like that during the day. And then after I get the kids to bed, then it's it's on to the call. So I, then I do the evenings. So I'm, I'm I'm definitely doing more than eight hours a day, but I'm picking and choosing when when I want to do things. But and... you've just touched on some really important things there, though. It's really nice to hear that, because what you've got is structure in your day, mm. and you know when to have a break, you know when to exercise, you know when you're the most productive during the day, you work it around your family, but you realise it's your business on your terms with the hours that you're putting into it. And a lot of people struggle with that structure away from the traditional office. That is a, that is a problem when recruiters start working for themselves. It's a really interesting point, and, and it's something that didn't come naturally to me. Yeah. It was learned. Yeah. And I'm, I'm three and a half years into doing this now. Mm. So, you know, we, we've gone through our dips and, and our, our, oh, let's try and set up a tech business. And yeah. let's, let's try and let's look at this distraction and, and, and that distraction. The distractions are the worst. Because yeah. you try and be overly creative and you're just mm-hmm. avoiding the work. Yeah. It's excuses. Walk, walk me through. Go on. Walk me through what, what it's like for somebody if they contact you and say, hey, I'm thinking of launching my own recruitment business. I don't have funding. I've got enough savings to get going. What type of stuff do you ask them to make sure that they actually should be doing this? Because I'm sure if somebody does it and they, and they go onto your platform and it doesn't work, they're going to blame you because people just don't take ownership. Well, what's that whole process look like? And what type of checks and balances do you put in? I think it's a really interesting question, actually. I mean, we, you know, first and foremost, we're a service provider. We're, we're not there to help the recruiters recruit. We're, help, we're there to make the way that they recruit more efficient to help them, you know, generate more, uh, more leads, add more value, convert more, increase you know, the, the, the value that, and, and the, the, the fees that they can charge to the clients by being more efficient and more effective. So I think that when we talk to them, um, I want to see that they know exactly what it looks like. How long have they been recruiting? You know, if they say we're going to do, we don't want business plans, but this is people who are going to set up on their own and want to recruit for themselves. We want to understand that their home environment allows it that they are, are familiar with regular, consistent, hard work 
they understand the ups and the downs and you know the the, the, the proverbial roller coaster that recruitment is. We want to understand that they on they know their market, they can recruit, they've got a proven track record. But equally, it's important that they have the finances to to support them through definitely first through those first three, four, five months. I would but say then, six months in in my view, because by the time you get paid on that invoice, it's always late. Well, that's an, that's really interesting you say that. I would say if you were on your own, yes. The thing with, with us is that you are instantly productive with every single thing that you possibly need. And our mm. debt turner, yeah, this, we, we accelerate that, that from – we have a, a mentor program the first 12 weeks, and it's designed to get you making your first placement in the first 12 weeks. We want to accelerate. The, Walk the, us through the, that. Yeah, I mean, well, when people join – so we have what we do is we sign we sign them up we agree that we're going to move forward with it and they go through again something that recruiters don't do when they get their business um, they start running their own business we have systems and processes to make this really efficient really slick so they will go through a an onboarding process which takes 2 days and that's pre-launch all the information it's all systemized it's all structured to get the best out of the recruiter and provide them with their complete individual personal brand recruiter business within seriously connected we'll send them for a photographer that's the only bit we can't control we send them to the professional photographer making themselves look beautiful they come into the system everything's live and then let's assume it's a monday morning when they start they they go into an instant 12-week program every day on the first week we go through uh, we have working sessions through the video platform we have to make sure they're accountable to their own behavior their own activity and their own goals you know if they want to generate a hundred thousand pounds a year let's work to that if they want to generate twenty thousand pounds a year let's work to that but as long as they start becoming accountable to their own activity and that happens every single week on a thursday mostly where we will have a 45-minute video session where we go through and, and make the recruiter accountability to the things that they said they want to try and do and achieve in that week. This isn't about having conversations about the clients or what fees they're charging. This is about their structure and their process to build those positive working habits. Like you just mentioned, you know, you talked about the, the way your routine is. Are you making the calls in the morning? Are you, you know, when do you speak to your candidates? Have you, how many interviews do you need to arrange to get yourself closer to a placement? Are you putting the right level of activity into this? This is do like, you, Kate, do, you want, do you want to know how many, how many uh, interviews we need to do to make three placements a month? Do you want to share it? Yeah, 50. Really? Yeah. But well, that, could be one, that could be one person to eight clients or five clients or, or two clients, depend on the person, depend on their motivations. But uh, because I'm dealing with a lot with international moves, we're, uh, we're, we're dealing with visas. We're dealing, yep. we're dealing with uh, anything that could go wrong in their personal life, their family's life. Yep. Um, and, and uh, yeah, there's just a lot, of, uh, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. Let me ask you then, your second interview, what's your, what's your placement ratio second to placed? Uh, again, it's... no, no, I, no, no. We, that's your business. All right, I'm going to rephrase that. I'm going to rephrase that. Okay, what I'm suggesting is because of the involvement with your clients and your candidates and the diff, you know, the the the, the, the variety of of uh, skill sets that's needed and the prop, the pressure of actually getting those visas, etc. Fifty, I, I can understand that. But once they're there, you've 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 got the right person in front of your client, so you should be able to you should be able to convert more. Yeah, I suppose part of the thing is. With what we do, a lot of a lot. Some people aren't that serious about it, even though they think they are. Um, yeah. And then when it comes down to making the move, a lot of people just don't have the balls. 
Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, I, I've had people who've had offers to go to California and they've said, mm. and a guy said to me, I'm on 40 grand or I'm going to be on 40 grand next year in Cardiff. So I, yeah. I, I can't make that move. I was, and I, I was like, you're single, no kids. How can you not want to do this move now? But not, it's yeah. not for everybody. Some people... No, and it's commitment and it's engagement. And, you know, candidates are interesting. But that's kind of what we do. In that first 12 weeks, if that's what it's going to take, is 50, play, 50 interviews every week or, you know, or, you know, 12 a week, whatever it's going to be, we want to help the recruiter be yeah. accountable to that. What are the activities that gets us to this point? And how, exactly. how do we put that into a, a work? But making plan? them accountable. Yeah. Every, and, you know, and, and with respect to agency owners, they do a good job of keeping those recruiters focused on the task in hand, which is generating revenue. And you just mentioned it, it's easy to make excuses when you're not doing what you should be doing during the day because I can be doing something else that I'm, I'm just being busy or I'm hiding behind content. I'm not actually doing anything that's going to move me closer to making an interview or a placement and that's what we work towards and because our debt turnaround i think our debt turnaround our average debt a day is six days wow so we, we turn honestly but that's because of process you know we're really rigid with the clients we're really rigid with the way that the candidates the recruiters provide the correct um, information for the placements so we can get the money into their bank faster than possible with us and also making that placement faster because we accelerate the process that's the key bit in the first uh, 12 weeks and then the next six months are about consistency positive daily activities and habits that move you consistently forward because it's easy not to yeah well when we look at the at, at, at the at the future of recruitment i mean you've been in this game a lot longer than me and i've seen a change dramatically in in the seven and a half years i've been doing it yeah. I mean, when I was when I started, I remember they in Robert Walters. They said to me, "Look, don't focus on LinkedIn. Just make sure the picture's okay." And, and all somebody told us when we were told that LinkedIn to ignore it, it's nothing but a, a distraction. <laughs> yeah. And 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 now and now it's my life. Like it's my life. Yeah. It's my livelihood. Uh, yeah. What do you see as the next thing coming? And and um, what what do you think recruiters need to be doing in order to to stay with the times? Oh, the thing is, what's happening now is it's content, 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 isn't it? And I think this is where recruiters who are starting on their own, they've got to start allocating the time accordingly because marketing is what, and content in distribution is what, what, how you build your, 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 your pipeline, let's say. But what is the future? If you look at somebody like Kevin Wheeler, who he's the guy that talks about the future of, uh, the future of recruitment of the industry, he's talking about community and he's talking about sourcing and i think what they're talking about is candidates are getting easier maybe to and to, to be found but actually harder to be converted into candidates so the recruiter's skill set i think has to change mm -hmm. i don't think you can just pick the phone up anymore and find a candidate like you like they did when i started i mean it was a lot easier in when i started i think than it is today yeah so i think re recruiters have to raise their game with being there's two sides to market, isn't it? There's push and there's pull. So you want to be pulling candidates towards you, okay? But also you want the, the, the skill set of being a really strong sourcing skills. But not only that, it's I think that people need to really look at the way they use their data. It astounds me how many people still use an Excel spreadsheet as the way forward, which GDPR, which I'm not going to mention, obviously doesn't like that at all. But systems and really, really positive CRMs 
are there to make the business more efficient and more effective. And the data is where the value is. What candidates want, what recruiters, sorry, want is access to live candidate data. Get it in, pull it into your system and work that data. So I think people need to get a bit more savvy with the way that they, um, they, they manage the candidate information. So let's talk about that dirty word. Uh, GDPR. <laughs> how much time yeah. have you spent making, making yourself compliant? And how do you think this is going to shape our industry? Uh, we, uh, well, do you know something? I'll be absolutely honest with you. I didn't pay much attention to it last year like a lot of people did. But we got to like August, September, and I thought, oh, this is going to make a big impact, really. And then we really ramped it up and started in November. And we've spent a good six months, a really good six months. And we had a brilliant uh, solicitor business that helped us get everything in shape. But how is it? And I'm super proud. We are super compliant. And I think recruiters are going to have to really look at their compliance is not just a flipping privacy policy in your website. It's just so much more than that. And it's an ongoing. It didn't end on May the 26th, that's for sure. But how do I think it's going to shape the world? I think a lot depends on how clients adopt it. And I think they're slowly coming around. In recruitment, obviously, it's very one-dimensional in terms of uh, GDPR. But I think clients and how they want to protect their own reputation, their own security, and the way they present themselves to the future, you know, to the wider audience, is going to impact the recruiters and how they share that information. So, again, it's back to mm -hmm. data. It's about qualified data. It's about being able to pull those candidates into your system so that you've got a you know when we talked about it used to be data, data, data. I've got, you know, a million CVs on my database. It's not that anymore. It's about 10,000 CVs, 5,000 CVs, two, you know, 1,000 CVs of really engaged candidates within your community, your network, your, your, your yeah. industry. That's where recruiters need to focus. But I'm not so sure clients have adopted it yet. And I think recruiters are going to be, have to be the promoters of positive security in, you know, in the transaction when they share the data of the candidates. So I think it's going to get harder for recruiters. I think building a compliant business is a challenge. And I think that we will see candidates slowly start being, what happens is when you've got the really, really good recruitment companies showing candidates how they look after the data properly. And then you've got the other recruitment businesses who are just playing at it. Candidates are going to ask questions about whether you are really secure about my data and would it be willing to give it to that recruitment company. So I think it's going to have a big impact. I think we're a year, 18 months away from it really, really changing, but it will. And can it I is. bring you back to the marketing question? Ooh. So, there's a lot of talk about inbound solutions and instead uh, of just yeah, smashing yeah. the phone as we were told and, and that. Yeah. What, what kind of things can recruiters do to create an inbound solution? Uh, well, it depends on how you want to go about it. But there are so many systems for inbound. It depends on whether you want to have a meal, an email marketing strategy, which is really a challenge in, 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 um, in the content you're going to provide. It's going to be suitably engaging for your audience. But again, what can we do? It's not about selling jobs. Content and inbound marketing is about raising your profile so that your audience understands you have the expertise in that particular sector. So marketing has changed recruiters because you just can't be out there broadcasting 
I've got this job. I've got this job. Yeah. You need to be able to show more than that. You need to show more value, more substance about your expertise and your knowledge and be present. Be, be, be where your clients are. Be where your candidates are, unfortunately. I think there's going to be a lot more uh, visibility of the recruiter and what they're doing and where they're doing it. Do you think that means us becoming more niche in what we do and being yeah. known as like experts and thought yeah. leaders within a certain segment? 100%. 100%. And I mean, really drilling down. And I think there's a gap coming. I think the gap is coming from the great big recruitment companies are really able to, to add a lot of marketing, a lot of inbound and put a lot of money behind it. But the smaller boutique businesses, I think the ones in the middle are going to struggle. But then the smaller boutique businesses that really can drill down super niche. You know, if you're a C++, you know, or a .NET developing recruiter and you know, you know, 800 of those people intimately closely you know everything about them and that's what clients are going to want and that's where i think the niche recruiters really will flourish it, um, it blows my mind that they don't have a, enough marketing staff on in these in these major corporations i remember already yeah, i remember robert walters had like three in australia for mm. for like 500 recruiters or something yeah and it, it's going to be interesting to see do companies hire somebody to do that for them or do they hire more creative sales and marketing people and turn them into recruiter recruiters in the very near future it's they're going to have to choose one or the other on how, how people... but you said what does what does the future look like and that's kind of that's the, the recruiters evolving yeah. isn't it you know we you've asked me about what do i think recruiters are going to need for the future and i think they need to be getting better at sourcing but actually if you're going to be on your own, you've got to understand where your creativity lies and what you're going to be, and whether you're going to be able to be part of that world in a marketing perspective. Because most recruiters aren't. Mm. Let's be honest. No, they're not. We are all general. We are all generally, you know, there's a lot that hide behind email, but most of us are talkers. We might be creative with, with you know, with verbally, but are we creative with messing around with Canva images and, you know, and creating videos and, you know, and all the apps that are there? It's time consuming. Is it right? And is that the skill set of the recruiter today? No, but I think. Uh, hiring companies are either going to recruit that you're not going to recruit a recruiter today in two years time they're going to be it's going to be a different skill set and it will be a combination of the two or you're going to have I think you're going to have a marketing team what do you think what do you think it's going to have do you think he's going to have a marketing team or are you going to start looking at the digital creatives coming out of university who are good at commercial you know and and can be recruit can be Um, It's a really good question. That's tough. I, I think if you were a digital creative coming out of university, you probably would struggle with your inner artist uh, to mm-hmm. go, going into yep. our industry. Um, yeah. I think the the next generation of people may 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 it comes more naturally. To yeah. Them, I think this next generation well, because they're, they're documenting their whole life. So they used to, yeah. and I think a lot large part of it will be is about documentation. Whether that's going to a client's office and say and meeting them and interviewing them and doing all that, but documenting it and showing your network. Here's here's yeah. here it is. Here's the experience. Here's the walk to work. Here's yeah. the video that goes along with it. Here's the podcast yeah. that goes along with it. Okay, yeah. let's distribute this out and all the rest. But I think the challenge then comes: how, how does that recruiter manage their day? And yeah, how like it's a really big challenge, and I don't think anybody's figured it out yet. No, I mean we've got a a, a new recruiter joining us, um, and his focus is you know to be uh, an independent recruiter, but to, to to float around. He works in the in the um, the IT space, like with web developers and so on. But he wants to be building his own personal brand around actually sitting next to 
all of the .NET developers and so on that he would be recruiting in the co-working spaces, the digital nomadic world in Lisbon and Berlin and Tel Aviv and all those. And when he's so he's going to be uh, documenting that on his journey. So when he's talking to his clients and say, listen, you want to know whether I'm actually immersed in your world. Here's my Instagram feed or here's my here's my my videos that I've been recording. And, uh, you know, he's going to kill us. You jump, you know, you jump on, jump on my, just jump on my, uh, my phone now on the video camera, right? I'm sat next to 14 .NET developers who are all coding away. Which one do you want me to talk to? How many do you want? That's brilliant. That's when you, that's when I think that the, 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 the way the recruiters are going to change. But like you said, they still have to structure the day. They have to understand that what they're good at, their personal habits, their discipline. But who's running the company while they're recruiting? Yeah. You know, it's. It, 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 it's not just a one-dimensional thing. It's not rec- you just don't leave and start and just recruit, and that's all you do. There are so many more facets to it. As you're, you know, you're proving now. You're adding this podcasting because you're demonstrating your authority and credibility because you're going to start pulling in an audience who wants to hear what Dwight's got to say. So it's very, you know, it's it's clever, but it's bloody sensible. <laughs> it's logical. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, and I think most of us will be doing things like that. That that recruiter sounds like he's really on it, though. Um, I, I'm jealous of his business, actually. I think that sounds, uh, that sounds like it, it'll work brilliantly. I mean, And what good fun. Yeah, and what good fun. But as long as he's learned the basics the hard way to, be, yeah. to, to begin with, I think, uh, yeah. I think that's, yeah. that's always the key. So, yeah, that's right. so just on the, on the location-independent thing, I'm a big, I'm a mm. big fan of it. I've, I've done it. I've, I've done it all over the world. And I wish I could do it right now. Yeah, but, the uh, kids don't let you though, do they? When, when did uh, when did you decide? You know what? I'm going to prove that this works. And 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 how did that come about? Yeah, well, I mean, we were fortunate actually. Um, we're over in Lisbon. We, we we you know I operate between Manchester and Lisbon. And actually, I tell you now, Lisbon is a nicer place to operate from a weather perspective. And what we have to prove is that if we're going to help people operate remotely and we're going to help people work from home, we need to learn how to, to how that process works. We have to adopt it ourselves. I can't be advocating work from home and we'll support you 100% within your recruitment business if we can't get those processes right. So we did it. And, you know, my team is remote. I'm remote. I, you know, I work on my own. I get isolated, but I'm not isolated because I've got my team and I've got my recruiters to work with. And that's the point. We've had to learn how to communicate effectively. We've had to learn how to really adopt video and the training. And it isn't just about training. It's about uh, motivation and inspiration. And when you're having a good day or when you're having a bad day and it's learning how to bring that together. So we, we took this as an opportunity to prove that we can operate ourselves as a business from anywhere and prove to our recruiters that we're doing it. This is how we're doing it. And you can too. Fantastic. What's next for your business? And where can people find you? Uh, well, GDPR made us raise our game massively. So we've been kind of quiet in some areas, but I'm super proud of what we're doing for our recruiters now and how far they've come. Uh, and they're generating more placements with us than they could ever imagine without us. So I'm super proud of that. But GDPR made us look at Europe as well. So we've got all of, we're able now to take recruiters on anywhere in Europe. The big plan will be to get to the US at some point, hopefully maybe next year. I am frightened to death of it. But the plan now is just to help more recruiters, gain more clients, gain more value, generate more leads, convert more, be more profitably through Seriously Connected. And if they want to, you know, if they do want to uh, think about recruiting for themselves, they've got to decide, do you want a company or do you just want to work for yourself? And if you want to work for yourself, we can help you do that with bells and whistles on. 
And a bit like you, Duelta, I'm all over LinkedIn. And there is a, there's a link on, on my LinkedIn profile to our brochure and some information about what we do and some, uh, some good points about if you're thinking about it, what to consider. So, yeah, LinkedIn, David Hume. Uh, I'm, I'm probably less visible than you at the moment, but I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> David Hume, thank you so much. Duelta, it's been a pleasure. Good luck, mate. It's been really, it's been, been good to talk to you. Great stuff. All the best, bud. Bye. I really enjoyed speaking to David Hume and I uh, really want to thank him for coming on and sharing all his insights and, uh, and his amazing story of moving to Lisbon recently. I wanted to bring him on because I wanted to show you guys that you don't have to have a million pound to set up a recruitment business. You don't need to win The Apprentice. Although, you know, it would obviously help. You know, with social media and modern technology and the fact that we can do this from anywhere, there's other ways of doing this. And this is a good example of what's available to you. His platform gives you support, community, and can get you up and running straight away. And if you want to be a Lone Ranger, make good money, then this is a great option for you. Perhaps if you want to set up a business that's going to scale and you're going to sell it, then I think there's probably better ways of going about it. But it really depend on, depends on what your goals are. And in the coming weeks, I'll have some amazing guests on who have scaled recruitment businesses and are in charge of networks that are all for that. So until next week, I hope you enjoy. If you did, send it to a friend. And if you know anybody that I should be interviewing, please reach out. I'm always available. Thank you so much and see you next week.